Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Christine Marie. Christine is a certified life coach who specializes in healing inner and outer conflict, especially as it relates to relationships and addiction. She uses a holistic mind, body, heart approach that allows for people to address each aspect of their wholeness to create change. She has studied with many of the best minds in the personal growth industry and has appeared as a guest on The Oprah Show. So welcome to the podcast, Christine. Thank you so much, Ursula. So great to have you here. I'm uh, I'm excited to to have this conversation with you because you and I have talked about the work that you do, and I know how powerful it is. So I'm really I'm really intrigued to explore it. To tell me what drew tell tell us a little bit about what you do in a little more detail, and and uh, what drew you to this work in particular. Okay, great. Well, thanks. Um, So what I do is I work with individuals, couples, and groups to facilitate people noticing their unconscious patterns. Um, Those are things things they usually are complaining about and help them learn that the patterns themselves keep recycling in order to get their attention. So if we can start to look at the things we complain about not as as a problem so much, as um, an opportunity to catch how is it that I keep redoing this same thing over and over, keeps showing up for me. And then I have a particular set of skills and tools that I help people um, learn how to shift the pattern so then they start to create the very things that they've longed for or dreamed of. And uh, so how I got into this was actually from a personal level, um, I was really struggling. So one of my patterns was I kept attracting um, pretty angry people into my world, specifically romantic partners. And um, my first marriage was abusive. And um, and so, you know, as a complaint, it was like sort of common knowledge I needed to get out of there. And um, what was surprising to me after I left was that I started to repeat the same pattern with the next guy and, um, ended up, uh, marrying him. And, um, especially in times of stress, we noticed that the the same patterns were starting to show up. Well, it never progressed to the, to the point of the first marriage. Um, it was clear to me that I was the common denominator. So I actually started doing some big time research into who could help me shift the pattern. And, um, it was purely for my own, sake and the sake of my relationship and my family. And, um, I don't know, something happened in the midst of that two year program where I just realized that I'd come so far in two years that I no longer was afraid in my marriage. 
I, um, that I felt powerful, that I felt in, intensely creative in terms of knowing that anything that I had complained about prior could be addressed and handled by me. I didn't need to wait for my partner to change. And, um, and that was, I think, probably the most vital and, um, and what's the word, like the most exciting time of my life was to feel so empowered that I could radically change things and, um, and that all it took <laughs> was courage to be willing to look at my own stuff rather and than to blame that's a partner. All. Yeah. <laughs> that's a yeah. tough one. Yeah. Well, I think it's probably everything, right? In terms of if we're going to make a change, um, it's so common to want everything else to change first and then I'll, and then things will be different. And, uh, so it's kind of a bitter pill. At least it was for me to swallow this idea that, Oh, could I be also violent? Um, was there a way that I was abusive in my own way, even though I wasn't throwing things and hitting, um, you know, how was I doing it? And to wake up to that was horrifying um, because I certainly found it. And I think we all can and, and do when we start to look at whatever our, we're complaining about. And at the same time, it's, it's a relief because that's when things can actually change. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that awareness of what is happening in the dynamic. It's not just about the other person. It's about well, how are you contributing to creating that? Exactly. I think we all hope that, you know, if we could just make the other person do the work, right. <laughs> that, uh, that all would be great. And right. that's just not how it happens. Yeah. Well, you've integrated so much of what you've learned in the, the approach that you use working with clients. Can you talk a bit about that and, and what makes it unique and, and so powerful? Thanks. Yeah. So, um, Again, when I'm working with clients, I'm really listening first. So the first, I one time had a mentor who said, what if all healing is really some aspect of somebody deeply needing to be heard and seen? And so I, I find that when I really start there, they have their own wisdom. And so it's, it's often just listening and listening and more listening and then ultimately the pattern starts to emerge. And um, when I'm listening, and I know that I'm listening for the pattern, it's like they start to see it because I'm just reflecting, oh, I remember you said this. And wow, and then I, I hear that you complain about that at work. And um, it sounds like it may be showing up over here as well. And they'll agree. They won't even necessarily know where I'm going to get to with it. But what ends up being very powerful for them is that their own awareness comes from their own words, comes from their own description. And so then it's not I'm the expert and they're having to defer to me and listen to me in some way that, you know, it's, it's literally their own experience and they can start to see it. Once we have that awareness, um, as you say, everything shifts. And, um, yes, there are skills and tools, um, which I love to share with people. Many of them, I was very angry about that. I didn't learn until my second marriage. I was, um, I was pretty bummed that, uh, I'd been through three and a half years of counseling. I'd studied psychology, um, for a bit in sociology in college. 
And it was mind-blowing to me that these very simple skills and tools uh, were not made available to me. And so it's sort of been my life's work and my passion to make sure that people have access to some very simple skills and tools, most of which are not currently taught, um, you know, in volume and in um, like across the board. Mm -hmm. Most people are getting it 40s, 30s, 50s, 60s. And they're they're like me, you know, wait, why? Why is it taking so long? Can you give us an example of, of, you know, you're sharing a tool making a real shift for someone? I mean, obviously, without disclosing confidential information. Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, let me think here. Or talk about one of the tools. If you know you... what? Yeah, I'll, I'll, here's what I'll do. I, I would love to, um, rather than talk about somebody else, I, I, I'll talk about my experience. Sure. So my, my complaint with my partner was that he was so angry. And I had a real judgment about how he expressed his anger. And, um, and the reality was, only when looking back did I realize that I was fairly arrogant about the way that I I handled anger, which was essentially um, to repress it. And so I thought everybody should repress their anger because wouldn't that be a better world? And, you know, even today in traditional, traditional um, therapeutic groups, there are sort of the mindset of you're not supposed to get angry. Um, we have a whole field of anger management, which I actually don't agree with. Um, I don't encourage people to manage any of their emotions. And uh, because that was actually where I was going wrong. I was wanting my partner to manage his emotions. And we ran into a lot of trouble when we got a therapist who agreed and started teaching him anger management. So the long and the short of it was after years of of doing that work, of feeling smug in the therapist's office and saying, yes, he's got the problem. He's angry. He should be more like me, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the therapist saying, yes, I agree. This popping off and intense anger is not okay. And so taught anger management, um, you know, things like count to 10, go for a walk before you engage Christine, uh, hold it in. Don't, you know, don't allow yourself to pop off. So it wasn't until this first uh, weekend of uh, training that I subsequently ended up diving into pretty deep where the teacher came over to me and asked, what's your big complaint about your husband? Um, I was having trouble doing an exercise and I didn't understand the direction. So she said, I'm going to make it real easy. What's your complaint? And, and I said, you know, he's so angry. He's so, he scares me half to death given my history. And um, she says, oh, that's interesting. How angry do you get? <laughs> and immediately, I very, very pompously said, I and proudly, I don't get angry. Right. I don't get angry. And I think, you know, he should be more like me. And she said, you know, it's a problem that you don't get angry. And that was the first time when I was 30 years old. I was already on my second marriage with three small kids. I was already conditioning them to be like me. Don't get angry. You're not supposed to get angry. Mm-hmm. And to have to have somebody say to me, you're supposed to get angry. Healthy people yeah. get angry. And it was more a learning of how to express it, what real anger was. Um, I just had no clue. I don't, I, you know, t- I had been exposed to a world that said, you know, anger is violent and mean 
and you're not supposed to get angry. Mm -hmm. And I bought it hook, line and sinker. And I thought that was the right way to do it. So long story short, what I learned from that experience was if I repress my anger, most people do not know this, that emotions are fluid. They actually want to flow through our human system, much like water. And when we repress it, it's like putting something under pressure, right? So I'm holding it in. And this, um, this particular teacher drew me a diagram of a U-shaped tube, a hollow U-shaped tube. And she said, I'm going to explain to you what's been going on with your partner. She, and she said, one end, this is a hollow U-shaped tube. One end is you. The other end of the opening is your husband. And I want you to imagine that there's some water in this, in this U-shaped tube. And what happens if you just put water in a U-shaped tube? And I said, well, the, it levels out. You know, it's just, just water finds its level. And she says, yes, that's right. Now imagine you take a plunger and you, and you plunge down your side of the U-shaped tube and you push hard. Mm-hmm. And she says, what happens to the water? And I said, well, it's going to come up the other side. And she said, can you see that your refusal to feel and experience your anger means that it must come up through your husband and he loves you so much that he's willing to run it. Mm-hmm. And I burst into tears. I mean, Ow. literally burst into tears. It's a powerful because, revelation. <laughs> right? Because this was a lifetime mm-hmm. of me thinking I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I'm repressing my anger. I'm a nice girl. Everybody likes me. <laughs> and yet I'm attracting all of these people who are so angry. And that was sort of the revelation of what if this is a benevolent world? What if? The very thing I complain about is showing up to support me in learning something that I didn't know before. And if I would be willing to learn it, then then the issue would, would drop away. And that's exactly what happened. When you started sharing this with clients, what, what kind of impact did you see with them? Like well, the same, the same thing, right? So people who would have a complaint about the other person, the other person doesn't change, they don't change, all of a sudden they're able to take power and responsibility for their system and then their relationships absolutely change. So for me, my husband's anger literally dropped in half nearly overnight simply by my willingness to learn, and I did have to learn, how to experience anger healthfully. And... Um, and anger is such an important emotion when, when flowed healthfully. So my clients literally go from creating fighting and conflict to peace and connection and deeper intimacy that instead of being defensive and judgmental, um, they create a field where this is an opportunity that relationship, whether it's the relationship with ourselves or the relationship we have with others, whether it's romantic or business or, or, or family of origin, that we are literally so powerful to create change by literally learning what is it that I need to do differently. And so when you, when you have a connection that's more about learning, right? So it's so much more fun to be in relationships to say, Oh my gosh, I notice (laughs) that I'm focusing on this thing that you're doing and it's driving me crazy. Now let me look to see what does this have to do with me? Why do I keep focusing on this? And then, People 
literally are relating to themselves and others from a place of peace, from a place of power. Um, and they're feeling relieved because we, we really do live in a world that is still outer focused. So there really is a lot of focus on, yeah, he needs to change or that person needs to change or you need a new boss or, or, um, or you need new employees, right? So, so when people start to look at themselves instead of seeing the problem as something coming from outside, how how does that impact the larger world? Do you think? How does it? Do you do you feel like your work has an impact in the larger world? And I, yeah, I think it must. Um, certainly, it impacts my world. And you know, Mahatma Gandhi has this great quote that says, "Be the change you want to see in the world." Mm-hmm. Uh, my experience is. When I change, my world changes. So I went from being and living in a scary world to being and living in a safe world, even right. though we could point to things and say, well, that means I'm not safe. But the truth is, I feel safe, even in the midst of chaos. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm kinder. Yeah, it affects the world. I'm kinder to my partner. I'm kinder to my kids. I'm kinder to my my colleagues. Um healthy anger actually made me more loving. <laughs> and um, that may sound dichotomous, but the, but the truth is without it, I had no ability to say a healthy no. Mm-hmm. And without being able to say no, um, you know, I, I was a wreck. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you mentioned is that you – you became more loving as you were able to say no and to really look at yourself more. Is that uh, one of the things I often ask people in these interviews is what kind of uh, values do you have or what do you hold as very important? Because I think that impact is grounded in what you hold dear, whether it's conscious or not conscious. And when you start to make it conscious, then you can really put your values into action. So uh, are there particular values that you that you hold that you think really comes into play in your work? Yeah, and, and I think it's a great question because I wholeheartedly agree. Um, for me, my the, the thing I value most is curiosity and a willingness to learn. Mm. So I find that, you know, when we watch kids and how much they learn in the first five years of their life, it really comes from a place of play and curiosity and wonder and um, being willing not to know. They're so willing to learn. And um, I think as adults, if we can adopt that posture, we make huge impact. And I'm always looking at, I'll make huge impact on my own world first. And then that actually ripples out because I'll interact in a different way. And so you know, if you just take any conflict on a national level, if we if we were to get curious, if we were to be willing to learn from somebody else rather than assume that we already know what's going on, it would radically impact um, our experience. Mm-hmm. And um, I sometimes tell the story of like one form of appreciation is to be sensitively aware. We do not have to like it. And so if my husband comes in the door with a scowl on his face, I may not love the idea <laughs> that he's coming in angry. But if I could be curious 
and notice that is a form of appreciation. And so I might say, hey, I notice you're scowling. Is everything okay? And, you know, a lot of my clients are just blown away by that's going to create a really different conversation mm-hmm. than, oh, I already know how this is going to go. Right. Or right. what the heck's the matter with you or some other <laughs> right. kind of con- confrontation. Yeah. Oh, great. Here he comes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Not very inviting for exploration. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. What have you found is, I mean, in this work that you're doing, is it can be intense and you're having um, work, the work that you do is, is dealing with issues like anger, which can be, you know, quite challenging for people. Do you feel that your own self-care plays a role in how well you're able to do this work? And if, and if you do, what what kinds of things do you do for self-care? Yeah, I think if we, if we're not caring for ourselves, it is very challenging to care well for others. Um, so for self-care, I love, um, quiet time. I am sort of a regenerative introvert. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I regenerate sort of by quiet, um, quiet reflective time. I haven't heard that phrase before. Regenerative introvert. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that any kind of, um, nurturing my physical body, nurturing my emotional body, Again, for me, being curious is self-care so that I can, um, I can gently sort of notice um, even the fact if I'm not doing self-care. It's like, huh, something feels stiff in me. Oh, that's interesting. And it really does bring me back to, well, now I, now I know so I can remedy it. And um, anything from stretching, I love yoga. Uh, my husband and I try and take regular walks on the beach. Um, those kinds of of things for me are absolutely important um, in terms of balancing, you know, being out in the world, being active, mm-hmm. doing. Yeah. Did you talk about the, I mean, is it important to you to have impact in the work that you're doing? And, and when I say impact, I define it as making a positive contribution, making a difference in a way that integrates your own well-being with the well-being of other people, other beings in the world at large. I know that's kind of a big definition, but so is is that something that's important to you? In the work yeah, you I, I, I think when I'm most happy is when I'm seeing somebody else's light bulbs go off. Um, it makes me feel like my path on this planet was... Um, of value <laughs> to somebody mm-hmm. that I might learn that I might then share it. I think, I think really as humans, that's, that's really where it's at is, um, is allowing our progress to impact progress of others. And, um, I think there's a line in the course of miracles that says something along the lines of, you know, we do our work out of self-interest. Like it, it truly for me, it just feels good. It feels good to be sharing. It feels good to watch somebody uh, change or report transformation, um, you know, to be able to say that, that they've been affected positively. So um, to just do it for myself, even though I started that way, there was a natural progression of like, God, now I just want to share it. Mm. Yeah, it's so, I mean, couldn't we all use, you know, a role model? Mm-hmm. And I certainly have had 
I certainly have had many of them. And then I really think when we create impact, that impact ripples their progress, ripples out to the people in their world, yeah. and they want to share. Absolutely. And I absolutely think that that's what's going to change the world. I, I, um, I lobbied once for for a Department of Peace <laughs> in the government, <laughs> and um, I was pretty mortified by what I saw. And I came back and with a, with a full determination that my work, at least, in the world would be really almost like a grassroots effort, that my impact would simply be sharing with as many people as I could um, the possibility of change and transformation and growth and healing um, when we take it on ourselves and that the ripple of that will actually be what has the most impact. We won't legislate you can't legislate change and healing. No, it's true. If we could, we'd have done it by now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that it does ripple out, and whatever you can bring to someone else's life and and help them make the changes they need to make, that's going to affect everyone that they connect with as well. So yeah. it's powerful. Is uh, there's something that kind of intrigues me about this question of impact, and that is. As you're doing this work and and uh, you've chosen this particular path, is there anything, what have you had to give up in order to have this impact? And I, I think of that kind of in this framework of, you know, in order to really make a difference, you have to pick something. You have to make choices. You have to focus. And how do you how do you answer that question? How do you think that you've had to give anything yeah. up? Well, that's so it's such a great question. I, there absolutely have been things that I've given up, but less around focus and more around giving up that which didn't really work anyway, even mm -hmm. though I was highly attached to it. Right. So some of the things that I, I, I've given up and I ask my clients to give up is this idea that I'm right. Hmm. And, um, and I find that those who are willing to not know actually have more impact. And every great teacher I have ever learned from was actually willing to question and explore more than uh, know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, knowledge is great. I want a surgeon who, <laughs> who studied really hard. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> And at the same time, if something comes up, I also want a surgeon who's curious to say, hmm, I haven't seen this before, and I wonder what this is, and I wonder what I might learn from it, because that's actually where growth happens. Mm -hmm. So um, giving up attachment, specifically, I had to give up attachment to um, thinking I knew everything. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's so such an important part of authenticity, because nobody knows everything, and, and taking that kind of distant expert stance, it's, uh, I don't think it's good for either, either you or for the, the person that you're, you want to serve. Yeah. Is it really serving if I'm just forcing something that I think is true down somebody's throat? I, yeah. I actually think that's where we got into trouble. Um, historically as a humanity was, you know, this religion's the right way or this way to educate is the right way. And this kind of medicine is the right way. And, um, and I think the greatest impact we'll have as a people will be, will be more around, hmm, I'm just really interested to learn and, and, and grow more. And uh, instead of having to be 
to be right about something. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, in this age of information, which has been so valuable, you know, we've had so many technological advances. Um, I'm, I'm a being that likes balance. So we're going to have to balance all this knowledge with, um, with something. And I think that's, I think it's curiosity. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. I well, I, I love that approach of uh, having the openness to say, you know, what's through, what's going on in this situation? What is it that I'm maybe not aware of, or that I'm I'm bringing to this, or that uh, we need to explore, or learn more about? It's such a powerful approach. Thank you. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, I, we can do so much. It's so funny because we're so organized around knowledge is power. And I think that that is absolutely true. And I also think not knowing is equally powerful. <laughs> I like that dichotomy. Yeah. yeah. What's the in, in as you've been in business for a number of years? What what have you found to be the best use of your time and energy? Because one of the things that we manage as entrepreneurs and and uh, in as people who have an, a vision for impact and wanna. Um, live that out. Your time and energy is so valuable and precious. Yeah. Well, what I've learned is the more open to, um, that which wants to flow through me. So that sounds kind of woo woo, but the truth is the more authentic I am, the more I notice I have almost unlimited energy for my work. And, um, so I'm not really having to manage so much as, um, honor the choices that feel right for me, the truth that I need to speak, uh, the people that I love to work with. And so when I follow sort of the, the breadcrumbs of, um, this path that has become my life, I notice that I'm so supported in it. And, um, and that could be anything from, somebody saying, oh, hey, I thought of you and I'd love for you to, to speak to these 45 women. Um, I just did a talk with, with some warrior moms here in LA. And, you know, there was no work involved. Um, it, things can literally come to me when I'm in this state of authenticity. And if I'd been invited and I had a no to, to doing it, then I would trust that that no was also going to support uh, wherever I am supposed to be. Mm. So I'm, I manage less, um, and actually open to the energy more. And this is sort of the reason to do, uh, the work that I'm doing is that, um, I don't have to think too much about it. The opportunities, the, um, the energy to do the work is, uh, it just comes when I need it, which Mm. is, so wonderful. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, it really speaks to a relationship with your inner self that you kind of go with the ebbs and flows of that at, to some extent, and you can, and you can call it up when you need it. Yeah, it's kind of like having you know. For a long time, I lived on sugar, caffeine, um, you know, and then something to help me wind down at night. And the reality is that there's a whole flow to tap into an energetic source to tap into that really supports our being in alignment with what I call being aligned with the truth of who we are. And when we're aligned, everything like a spine that's in alignment, everything flows really, really well. And, um, and then it just becomes a delight actually to do the work Mm -hmm. who shows up, who doesn't want to do it. Where's my energy drawn to next? 
um, what's true for me actually supports. It's like authenticity supports the whole system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I um, in the course of of this work that you're doing, um, you know, being authentic is not always an easy thing in every situation. So, are there are there obstacles or barriers in having the impact that you want to have that you've come across and how have you moved through those? I always think it's helpful to hear. Oh yeah. Know. Yeah. Obstacles. Yeah. yeah only all <laughs> right. It's like every conditioning we've ever had. You can't do that. Who do you think you are? Um, you can't ask for more money. You, you shouldn't leave that marriage. You know I mean? There's so much conditioning that's sort of anti authenticity mm. and, um, and to be different, you know, there's so much messaging to be different than who and how we are um, across the board that I think the the biggest obstacle is to listen to our own truth more than those voices outside. And um, man, if we had just, you know, 10% of the population willing to claim their truth, Everything, everything in this world would change mm-hmm. because we're still a people who care um, about what others think more than we actually care about the people themselves or, or our own self. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was the biggest obstacle. And I got called crazy. I got called irresponsible. I got called selfish. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of cultural conditioning that said, you know, who who do you think you are? to be this honest and this, <laughs> this bold in terms of, of claiming and creating this life that you, you're, you're creating. And, um, you know, Mary Ann Williamson has a great quote and basically the gist of it is who, who do I think I am not to do that? Hmm. Um, we all sort of have a truth within us that, um, that supports our life and it is actually the ignoring that and the listening to the outside sources Um, that was absolutely the biggest obstacle for me. And Mm -hmm. the fear was the obstacle because I was desperately believing those stories that I'll end up miserable and, and an old cat lady somewhere and nobody (laughs) will love me and, and I'll be rejected by everybody. And, um, you know, the thing about authenticity and, and that I know now that I didn't know when I was scared and just starting out was that it's attractive and that I became more attractive um, and I attract the people that want to work with me and I attract the people who need to be in my space and um, and that the fear was unfounded. And, you know, I can say that, uh, but if somebody hasn't done it, they're going to wobble. They're going to feel really scared to get authentic. And um, and it's understandable because it's a it's a change. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a something new. Yeah, for sure. Well, if there was one piece of advice or an insight that you would share with other people who are, are wanting to have impact themselves and, and really amp that up, what would you say to someone? I would say if you first start with impacting your world with a 10-minute-a-day practice and Um, and I always ask people in this practice, um, to do for 10 minutes until they feel full. And the practice is for 10 minutes a day, cultivate 
how you think you'd like to feel in the future right now. So if I imagine that if I had $10 billion, I would feel free, then I'm going to spend 10 minutes cultivating a feeling of freedom um, or 10 minutes cultivating a feeling of peace. And I do it actually through imagining that I already have $10 billion or that I already have a peaceful world or a peaceful life. And um, I think that it, it sounds very, very simple. But the truth is, it is one of the most powerful tools I have ever used to harness creating um, what I want. And that includes having impact mm -hmm. in my own world and then the ripple into other people's world. That's actually how I got the Oprah gig mm -hmm. was I spent 10 minutes a day um, appreciating how, how far I'd come and giving myself attention. And, and I did it for two weeks and I felt very, very full and... And, um, and out of there came an invitation to be in an experience where I got some attention and appreciation. So <clears throat> I'm a big believer and we have to start with ourselves. Yeah. Well, and what an amazing manifestation to you to have out of that practice too. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah. and, and what an amazing way to support yourself, um, you know, we can't move into these other ways of being just by some magical event. And although, you know, that sort of visualization or imagining can seem magical, but it, it really is a familiarity that you build and a capacity you build within yourself. Yeah, it's like I can wish all day long to, to lose weight, but if I don't actually take an action step, it's not going to happen. Right. And in the same way, I think those of us who long to build a business, have an impact, um, create a positive impact in our own life and in others' lives, you have to actually have a practice. And um, I I'm, I'm lazy. <laughs> so um, the truth is 10 minutes a day is, um, is doable for, for anybody. And, um, and we're so powerful. And I think when we really learn how powerful just 10 minutes of our creative energy can be in the world, you know, we're going to be blown away by what we create individually, collectively. Mm. Um, it, it does not have to be complicated. I think complicated is overrated. And um, simple tools, I think, are where it's at in terms of, of creating the biggest impact. Yeah. Well, Christine, I know you're impacting your world, and I, I love your honest and bold approach and uh, really having the courage to look at your own stuff because it's led to some um, really great tools and awarenesses for your clients, and uh, I know that's that's having a larger impact in the world. So thank you for sharing that with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, and thank you for your impact because I, I really feel how how deeply um, someone who's committed to sharing and learning, you know, how that affects all of us. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Well, if someone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? So my website is christinemarie.net. And okay. if they want to reach me by phone, they can reach me at 805-272-5242. Great. Well, thanks again, Christine, and thank you for your, your work in the world. Ah, oh, thank you so much. What a pleasure it's been talking with you. <laughs> it's been for me too. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. 
Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.